What's going on everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Sophisticated Ignorance. And, <clears throat> excuse me, without further ado, you know how I like to do. Let's go ahead and give ourselves a round of applause. Talk to me nicely. You know what I'm saying. You know what I mean, Jelly B. It is your boy, Diaz York, Slim, Fly Guy D.Y., the cream of the crop. I'm the Don Mega. Shout out to my main man, Ice Cube. But anyway, let's get right into it. So, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a great mood. I hope you guys are doing well out there. I hope everybody's masking up. I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody is with the vibes. You know what I'm saying? You already know the vibes. You already know what I'm on. Um... And if you don't know, now you know. But um, let's get right into it. So the NBA started, man. You know what I'm saying? Preseason. Preseason is here. It's here to stay. It ain't going nowhere. Um, I'm kind of upset that they started so fast. I, I would have loved for the NBA to have started in the middle of February, like around All-Star break. And a side note, quick side note. The one thing, the perfect thing about my birthday is it being... Like, right, my birthday's February 17th, so it's going to be the weekend, it's going to be either the weekend of All-Star, All-Star weekend, or it's going to be, like, a few days after, or, or a few days before, depending on how they want to have it situated, depending on how the NBA has it situated with the cities and stuff like that, but it's so cool because, and my mom always brings up this point, every time I, um, talk about birthdays and stuff like that she said you'll always have something to do and I'm a huge basketball fan granted I don't play like that no more but I'm a huge basketball fan still to this day you know I like um I'm gonna say listening to it but um I like watching it I like talking about it I like I really like talking about it in depth um I was gonna be a coach if I didn't want to do this the broadcasting thing that was gonna probably be my next thing was gonna be a coach I was probably gonna go to school for that and become a coach I just like helping people. I like helping kids, especially my the prime age to coach. And if anybody out there that wants to get into coaching, the prime age I would probably say to get into coaching is about sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? Because they're still young and impressionable, and their minds are still open. What was that? Um. Anyway, excuse me. Their minds are still impressionable. And they're still willing to work and become great. You know what I'm saying? Because the older you get, <clears throat> the, the um, excuse me, and everybody knows this, the less creativity you have, which sucks. Now, the older I got, the more creativity I had. Um, because, you know, it, it takes a minute. To, it, it takes, some people, their mind closes. They, they're not going to have the same as open mind, open-mindedness as you, which is fine, you know what I'm saying? But for me personally, like... I just think it's cool to like be able to reopen up your mind and relearn things. Like I'm re trying to relearn Spanish and I learned it, but that was two years ago when I really didn't, I didn't ace it. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not the best. I can understand a little bit of it, but as far as like pronouncing it and saying it with the correct accents and stuff, not even close, but I'm working on it. You know what I'm saying? And just... Just being young, you know, having that same, that young mindset of being creative and being open to learning new things and trying new things. I feel as if adults sometimes get set in their ways. So with that being said, the older you get, especially in basketball, because the one thing people don't like and don't understand, especially me at a young age, if I kept working, I could have played college ball. 
But that's if I wanted to keep working. I felt like I was fine. My skill set was fine enough. It was, and my skill set was okay enough to get me on a college team. Now, playing college ball is something totally different. I probably would have realistically would have been a practice squad player, and that's fine. They need those. They need those. Scout team player might have gotten a few games here and there just to fulfill a scholarship. But, <clears throat> excuse me, other than that, I mean, I was fine being a practice player, a practice squad player. You know what I'm saying? Even they get some run. Um, but you got to be in more shape. Imagine being a practice player for college. You have to be the scout team guy. You have to be in better shape than the, than the starters. <clears throat> and you have to be in better shape because if not, then the starters aren't going to get a good run. And you're like the preparation. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be prepared enough mentally and physically to go out there and practice every day. Every scrimmage you're practicing against these guys. You know what I'm saying? And that's a tough thing to like do. A lot of guys, a lot of people can't even do that, be a scout team guy. And it's a tough job, realistically. It's a really, 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 really tough job. And I just think people really, 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 um, some take it for granted. I think people take it for granted when they're trying to um, not work on their skills and they're at that level because they know that they're not going to be like, if, if you're a starter, they take it for granted. I feel like a lot of those guys that if they had the opportunity to start, they wouldn't. you wouldn't be able to take it away from them unless you outworked them. You know what I'm saying? So, but back to being, so that's just my take on that. But back to being about to about 10 to 11, 10 to 12, that's like the perfect age group. So fifth grade to sixth grade, the perfect age group to, to get into coaching. Now, obviously, I started off with second graders. That's how serious I was. I was like, just put me on a coaching staff. And I coached with my uncle, which was fun because we got to spend more time together. And just teaching the kids the fundamentals and the basics. Now, at that age, that's eight years old, seven, eight years old. It's really only about the basics. You know what I'm saying? It's not even about the, um, it's not even about what people think it may be about, you know? Like, people think that you could teach an eight-year-old the same things you could teach a 10-year-old. The cognitive functions and the cognitive motor skills and just the whole brain is a lot more mature and a lot more developed than you would think. Now, physically, there might be bigger 8-year-olds than a 10-year-old, but what a 10-year-old can do, he could probably do the similar or better things because you're in the fifth grade. Or for me, I was in the fifth grade at 10 years old. Obviously, when I left the fifth grade, I was 11, but I was, I'm young, younger. So I turned 18 when I was still my senior year, and most people turn 18 when it's their senior year, but when the school year's just started, they turn 18. So I'm always going to be a little bit younger than my classmates, which is totally fine, but that's what I was saying. So the cognitive skills of a 10-year-old is way more, fast, obviously, faster in development than the 8-year-old. But, so don't expect, because physically, the attributes, the 8-year-old might be physically greater than the 10-year-old, but... The, t the 8-year-old doesn't know a lot, doesn't know as much as a 10-year-old. So if the 10-year-old, you can sit a 10-year-old down and say, we're going to look at these moves from Steph Curry or from Kyrie Irving or from Isaiah Thomas, old school film. Even, you know, even the, the, the young IT, Isaiah Thomas, the one you know plays now, my generation. So even Trey Young, you know, just De'Aaron Fox, um, uh, Luka Doncic, like LeBron, like we're going to sit you down and watch some of these guys' highlights and moves. So you get a, a, a idea of how you how you're supposed to play as a team. You're gonna watch a full game with me. You, you know you can still you could instill that 
that drive and that hunger if they want it. Because you could tap that early. An eight-year-old, they're kind of just doing it to have fun. So AAU is different. I coach select. And those guys, pay, they pay money. I'm not going to say, I don't know if they paid a lot. Like I said, I don't know. But they paid a pretty penny to uh, to, uh, to, have, to have their kid play. And, but coaching is, a, man, it's tough. If anybody out there that wants to get into coaching, you have to understand these parents are going to come at you. You know what I'm saying? They're going to come at you. They want their child to play. And I get it. It's a return on investment. That's what, that's their biggest thing. If I'm not, if my child's not going to play, why is my child even out there type? You know, that's, that's how, that's what they're thinking is. And rightfully so, you know what I'm saying? But you also got to be real with them and tell them like, look, your child might not be as good as you think he is. And that's a tough thing to say to a parent, you know, because he's only eight and you don't know the development of the kid. If, you know, just anything like, you know, you just don't know if he will become great. Whereas right now, he's just not going to make the cut. And I didn't say that to some parents, but. To me, as just an assistant coach and me and my uncle having to come up with practice stuff, we talked about it, deliberated it before um, practices and coming up with game plans and who's going to start and who's not. Well, you have an inc- you have a, a intuition. You know who's going to start, honestly. You, when the first practice comes around, you know who's going to start. And <clears throat> excuse me. And if he's a new guy, and if he's new and you know, you don't want to like, you, you can't, because when I played, when I first started to play for A+, I started, there's, there's a lot of times where I started, the only time I didn't start was in 10th grade during my AAU session, and it was so bizarre to me, because everybody else, like all my, my boys started, and I was like, I didn't start the first game I played, but even when I, um even when I played for Seattle Select, I started. And I wasn't the best player, but I knew the system, I knew the coach, and I worked hard. I was a Jimmy Butler type of player. I'm gonna work hard. I'm a dog. I'm gonna play defense. I'm gonna score when I need to score. Um, but I think a majority of the teams that I played on, I was like either the first or second leading scorer. And that's not even like a a type of flex or anything like that. That was just my position. They knew I was prolific in scoring. They knew I could score the ball. They, the ball. They knew. They knew I could shoot the ball. So it just makes sense for me to play that position, you know what I'm saying, the shooting guard and stuff like that. And, yeah, so to me it was cool to be in that position to score a lot and to be looked upon in that sense. But, um, yeah, so it was just weird when I didn't start. And we've had practice, and I was there, and I came to, you know, I did all this stuff. This is when I got cut from Seattle Select, which sucked because I really wanted to play for Seattle Select, but they got new coaches and stuff like that. Shout out to my guy Zach. Um, but I don't know. I was just like, whatever. So I just went to, I just went to, I just went to Ren Select and had a good time playing with my brothers. We did the damn thing. You know, it's unfortunate that we didn't win a championship that year, which, um, that session, the spring and summer session, which I was, um, not accustomed to because, you know, I won at least one championship. No, Seattle Select, I don't think we won one either. I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure we did. I might have not played though because I tore my meniscus in my ninth grade year. So we might have, we might have, I might have not played during that, but I'm pretty sure they won one. I think they did win one. Yeah, they won one for sure. Team was pretty good. Team was solid. Um, but yeah, so it it was it was fun. AAU was fun. You know, I talk about basketball, but uh, back to being before I get to that point, back to being a coach. 
Um, yeah, if you want to be a coach, they're gonna get in your ear. They're gonna get. The, they want to get the return on their investment. They're gonna want their kid to play. Uh, but you gotta let them know. Sometimes you gotta let parents know. And my I, and I had no problem being the young bull that I was. I was like, look, okay, I hear you, but let me do my job. Because you're over there. There's a reason why you're over there, and you didn't want to put the hours in and volunteer and help these young these children out. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why. There's there's a reason why. And the one thing I loved about my uncle, and he still does this to this day, he don't play favorites. His son played for the team. My cousin, he didn't. His he played, but he wasn't starting. You know, you got some fathers that will start their sons and stuff like that. But no, my uncle's like, well, if he proves to me that he's better than these cats that are out here now, then he'll start. But until then, he ain't going to start. And my uncle was in charge of the lineups and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And it, you you have, as an assistant coach, you have to like, and that's real. Because you, you see, because I notice it now even more, being an assistant coach and being a tertiary coach where I wasn't the second. I wasn't the second one. I was I wasn't, I was just the third one. And knowing that and understanding that, you have to like rein yourself back in. Now I was an I was an assistant coach to the fifth graders, but obviously COVID happened and now everything got uh canceled. But also I would I would run around with those guys. I would scrimmage and not scrimmage with them, but I'd be the ref and because I was younger. Obviously those guys are a lot older than I am. Not a lot older, but they were older. But um, but I feel like my basketball mind was always just greater than my physical playing ability. Like I had my IQ was pretty high. Like you could tell me a play. Twice, and I and I get the gist of the play. You know what I'm saying? We could walk through. The walkthroughs are boring because you have to really walk through the play. And my my philosophy was we had you had to get live bodies. You had to scrimmage. You had to scrimmage to and stop it to see if it works. And because as a coach, you're also being it's as a coach is also practice. Like you have to when you're scrimmaging and you're stopping the play and trying to figure out and fix minor tweaks and stuff within. The plays, that's like also like on you. Like you still have to like you're still practicing the play as a coach and see that might not work. So you might take that one out and implement a new game plan or implement a new play. So you're still having to practice and still having to be you're still coaching yourself, basically, to make sure everything is right. And these guys are second graders. So it's a lot of um hammering, 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 hammering information to make sure that everything is right. You know what I'm saying? And that's the more best. That's the beautiful thing of it. And from a kid who had two, I have two siblings, and Cheyenne is my rock. I mean, Cheyenne is my twin, and Shadi is my rock. You know what I'm saying? And having two sisters, and being the middle child, and having no brothers. So when I was coaching, when I coached the second graders, I felt like it was my responsibility to be the little, the bigger brother. They looked up to me. You know what I'm saying? These guys. And the one thing I didn't like is there was a. A, fa- a father who he he just did too much, you know what I'm saying? And we we got to the semifinals, so we lost. We could have went to the final, but we lost by like a few points. And it was me and my uncle. That was our team, you know what I'm saying? And then there was this father who came in and wanted to put the ball in his son's hands. That's what I'm saying. There's always that guy who can't see beyond his son. And can't and doesn't know that there are better players than his son. His son wasn't the best player on the team. He wasn't even the biggest one. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and not to rag on the father or nothing like that, 
But it was real. Like, we had a game plan. We had a lot of smaller guards. We're going to be fat. You play, and this is how you play if you do have guards. You play fast and up-tempo. If you get in the half-court set and you guys have to rebound and you force, and if you have a lot of guards, you force long shots. You force long shots. You force the three ball. You force the, um, you know, the off-balance, out-of-control shots and not um, set layups or not, you know, contact layups and stuff like that without fouling. You force those shots. You put that in the game plan because if you get, you're going to get killed if the team has a big one and they're a good rebounding team. So if they have a big and they play half slow and half court, you're going to get killed every time. You're going to get killed every time. You see it in college, a team, that, a team that's guard heavy, if they have experience and they have a big, it's over because they're going to play slow. <laughs> that team's going to run their offense in the half court. They're going to run some sets, and you're going to be like, damn, I can't even. The pace is going to kill you. If they're going to make you play the whole 30 seconds, and in high school it's 35, they're going to make you play the whole 35. So my philosophy was run fast and have fun. You know, they're not at the age to where they're getting looked at. That's where it starts like in middle school, like sixth grade, probably in above seventh grade. You know, they're not at that age where they were getting looked at. And there's something to be said about having fun and learning the game. This was, this was and like I said, you're eight years old. There's not a lot you know about basketball. You know, I've been playing for more than half my life. And studying and knowing the game for, for about all of my life. So I know more. You know what I'm saying? And you want to help them and teach them. You know what I'm saying? And that was the biggest thing. That was for me coaching. That was the biggest thing, and I love coaching. I talk about it passionately to this day because coaching is one of those things where you learn a lot about yourself and patience. Those guys are eight years old, nine years old, and having a lot of patience it takes a lot out of you. Trust me. When you got to sit up there and these guys won't listen and they're playing around with one another and twiddling the touching the ball, not just not understanding, not focusing. The lack of focus and attention, obviously, as an eight year old, you're gonna have that, but. It's a very big. It's very big and important to me to be like you know what. These guys are eight years old. I understand, you know. I'm talking to them and stuff like that. Even still, because I understand that it takes it takes a long to even now when I was playing. It it takes some focus and some. It's boring. Practice is boring when you're not scrimmaging or having shooting drills or just doing drills. Period. Practice is not fun. It's not as fun as you think it is because practice is for the the time to. Refine your tools and plays and stuff. Stop scrimmages and you're not gonna. It's not a lot, whole lot. It's not a whole lot of running up and down. Practice is more for the IQ, the IQ portion of basketball. There's some physical. You know, if you have a, co- a good coach that understands the balance between IQ and understanding the plays and execution, and um, just those type of things, those type of areas of basketball. If you have a coach that understands the perfect balance between execution. And getting up and down and having a good time during practice to make everybody more engaged when it's time to execute because you know what you're looking forward to when it's time to go scrimmage and stuff like that. That's like the perfect coach. That's the perfect balance. And I try to implement that balance between the second graders and stuff like that. Like I said, there's time to have fun and we're going to run up and down. We're going to scrimmage. We're going to have a good time. But also, you guys have to understand and execute. And we weren't running stuff. We weren't running hard stuff. Well, I, I tried not to, but... I knew if I could get 8th graders to do something a little more complex than the average 8th grader can do, I know we would win every game because (laughs) 
that'd be the one play that we would run and they wouldn't know what the hell to do with. That'd be the one play they'd be like, what are they doing? What kind of, they're having these guys run pin downs and curl off the pin downs. And these are, now granted, these guys really can't shoot the three ball. But if you can get him a pin down to the and then he comes down and then he do comes off the curl or the whoever comes off the curl and they get an open look off the shot to from the elbow or even from the uh, the mid circle in the key the half circle in the key or anything like that you have back picks come up you have the back picks go down yeah you have a down screen two guys come up from the um from the block and then you have the people that come down from the block the bigs and the four. And then play horns. Play horns. Now you're playing with money. And then those guys can either roll or pop. The four will pop. The five will roll. And then you got the three and the two in the corners. Then just pick your poison. Then you could go out, pass the ball out. And then just constant ball movement. And then get it into motion. Something like that was to me was like complex for an eight-year-old. Because that, I learned that in the sixth grade. And I still quite didn't quite understand motion and then keeping ball movement and player movement. I know that was important. But for an eight-year-old, if you tell him the ball is the most important thing on the floor, like having the ball is the most important thing on the floor. The ball is. Whoever has it is the most important person on the floor because they're, they're going to make the next decision, whether it be good or bad. They're going to make the next decision, right? So, but also you have to think about player movement. Let me, let, let me slip this. Okay, so I've been rolling and rolling and rolling and fading and popping out, picking pop. Let me slip the screen. Because there's that split second, well, obviously, eight-year-olds don't understand. There's that split second of where you slip the screen, you the guy can throw it over the top. You get an easy layup or a jump stop or a floater or whatever the case may be. You get an open look. Because now you're playing three-on-two and then you can create for others. I mean, it's one-on-three because everybody's looking at you. Everybody's going to be ball-watching when a play has been, when a huge action like slipping the screen has been made. So now you have one guy, and if you have your spacing together, you have one guy in the short corner, you got one guy in the wing, in short corner, or maybe one guy in the wing, and then one guy in the corner, and then one guy on the block. Now it's your world. Now you can get a floater, you can pass the ball, because they're, everybody's going to gonna triple team you. You know what I'm saying? So it's just little nuances and stuff like that that I think are what make the game of basketball great. It what makes being a coach great, because you have to think about the little nuances and the little details like that. That could put your team over the top. So I figured if we had a complex play that no one knew how to run, we'd win the championship. That'd be the only play we run. But didn't happen that way. Got to the semifinals. But the dad, he was acting just weird. He was just over, to me, he was overstepping his boundaries. I didn't agree with him. Um, he tried to take the coaching job away from my uncle. And like I said, my uncle was blood. That's blood. So, blood relative, and I didn't appreciate it because my uncle did a hell of a job with the coaching. You know what I'm saying? For his first year coaching basketball, did a hell of a job, and he we got Final Four. Like, what can you what, what more can you say? You know what I'm saying? And at that point, those guys were going to the third grade. You expect to move up, but that didn't happen, which sucked. They were playing favorites, and I was just like, I wasn't fooling with that. You know what I'm saying? Give... The man got to the final four. If you give him more time and more development with the kids in the drills we had him doing, we had him doing dribbling drills. We had him doing layup drills. We had him using the left hand. That's very important at a young age to learn how to use your left hand. 
If you become ambidextrous on the basketball court, the world is yours. Because they, they say if you're a left-handed person, well, obviously, the majority of the world is, is right-hand dominant. If you're left-hand dominant on the basketball floor, you are a serious problem because it wouldn't take long for you to know how to use your right hand. It wouldn't. Everybody plays right. Everybody plays orthodox, but you're a southpaw. That, that changes southpaw, south, southpaw. That changes the game completely for you. Look at James Harden. He, he, be, he be getting 40 points a game. And he can use both his hands. Dribble the ball. You know what I'm saying? And because it's like fighting. Once you're a southpaw, you have a better opportunity to beat an orthodox boxer. Because, like I said, nine times out of ten, the world is right-hand dominant. And they're only gonna, and you only have right-handed hitters. And it's hard to find left-handed guys. That's why they teach in boxing to be a switch hitter. So you can fight orthodox and fight southpaw. You know what I'm saying? And be really, really effective in that sense. Really effective. But I digress. I got off on a little rant, tangent about basketball. I, I get the itch to play every now and then, but I realize how much it, it, the wear and tear on your knees, especially now with COVID and it's colder outside, first of all. So no one's really playing in the cold. It's just the wear and tear on your knees, and it just hurting. It hurts. It hurts on the concrete. It hurts on the blacktop. It hurts. And I think that's one of this one of those things where, if you really want to do it, you'll do it. Um, but for me personally, I like doing what I'm doing. Uh, I still might be a coach on the side. I think that'd be a pretty cool thing to do, helping out little kids and kids. Period. Being an inspiration, motivating them, mentoring them. Because it's not just about the game of basketball. It's about life and learning little things, how to work with a team and learning patience because and learning how that's how it really goes down in life. If one if it happens to one, it's going to happen to all one little person, one little thing that they didn't do correct or one mistake that they made can impact the whole 10, 12 people that were around them. And, you know, that's a real thing that happens every day in my life. I see that happen all the time. You know what I'm saying? If I don't do what I'm supposed to do at work or somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do at work, then I got to go help them and take over and help them out with their job. And then somebody's got to take over my job and then somebody's got to take over their job and then and so on and so forth. And it becomes a domino effect. And depending on the work environment and the workplace, work pace, you know, you don't want that to happen. So I think, you know, learning skills and learning accountability and learning how to have fun and creating and creating camaraderie between people the same age as you and people that think just like you to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? At eight years old, you're, you're thinking about Fortnite, WWE, whatever, basketball, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You guys like the same players, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Antetokounmpo. Like, you guys like the same people. So even though they probably can't say Antetokounmpo, but <clears throat> it's Antetokounmpo or Antetokounmpo, but... Yeah, I don't know. It depends. He said it was depends on if you're Greece. The Greece pronunciation is the Greek pronunciation is Antetokounmpo with the T, and then the Nigerian pronunciation is Antetokounmpo, which is with a D. I was just like, that sounds the same in my head. I'm just gonna go with the Greek one, the Greek version, Antetokounmpo. But anyways, man, how, how y'all doing? Hope you guys are doing well. Um. You want to know something funny? It's really funny, and I and I've been thinking about doing this. I got I, I have a Tinder, and and you're gonna be like, "What? York got a Tinder?" Here's the thing. I know it sounds crazy. York got a Tinder. York, York, 
ain't a ladies' man. Da, 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 da. I, that is not true. <laughs> it might not sound like I just persuaded you there, but it, it's not true. If you know me, you know. Um, it's not true. I'm a ladies' man. I can snap my fingers and want to be in a relationship like that to this day. To this day! I can I could finesse. I'm not going to say I finesse a girl, but just finesse my way into a relationship and stuff like that. I can easily do that. That's not hard. I could be in a, I like I got a relationship on speed dial. That if I really wanted to get into one, it'd be on speed dial. And no one would be like, okay, well, he's in a relationship. But um I got the app for just fun, honestly. I didn't really care. It, it start it, you know, it starts out as fun until then you start talking to people and then it gets kind of a little more serious. But for me, I was just like, I wanna have fun. I'm not looking for a relationship, I'm just looking to have fun. And if you use the app for what it's intended for it's used for dating, you know what I'm saying? So you could go on multiple dates with that one person or you could have multiple dates with five other chicks. It really don't matter, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's on there for the same purpose, honestly, to have fun. And it's also social media. So I don't know why, but the biggest, the bigger point I was trying to get at was, let's say I do meet someone on Tinder and I really like them and they like me and we date or whatever. And then people ask like, how'd you guys meet? And you're like, well, we met on Tinder. And then everybody's like, <gasps> like the... Like the one emoji, the one emoji where it covers like the face or this hand covers the mouth, like, <gasps> you know what I'm saying? Like, like what? Like you know what I mean? Like uh, who cares? It's the same as being somebody on Instagram, or Facebook, or Snapchat. It's the same. It's the same. Or Twitter. It's the same principles. It's social media. This one's intended purpose was for dating. And stuff like that, or meeting people, friends, whether it be relationships, regardless. But those type of apps, like people find hope to find people, like-minded people, right? That's why you fall like-minded people and stuff like that. That you don't even know. You don't even have to know them, but you still follow them because you know minds. You know, people energy attracts energy, and people that think alike attract people that think alike, and that's just what it is. That's just life. So, it's just weird to me when people say Tinder, you know what I'm saying? They have, people have a hard time saying, why Tinder? Well, why not Tinder? Tinder needs to be more, and I, and I feel like people, it's never that deep either. It's just social media at the end of the day. It's really what it boils down to. It's just boils down to social media. Because Twitter could have the same type of concept. Instagram could have the same. Instagram is the same type of concept. If I like you enough, I'll follow you and like your pictures. And the rule for Instagram is... Because it's, this just happened to me. I, somebody, this girl followed me. Not going to get into any names, but this girl followed me, and I like three pictures. She followed me, and she liked one of my pictures. I followed her. I like three of her pictures, and she liked two more of my pictures. So then it equated to, guess what, three on each side. So I went ahead and DM'd because the three is an invitation. If you don't know that rule, everybody knows that rule. The three is an invitation. You know what I'm saying? And back in the days, um, with Facebook and the two be honestes, you know what I'm saying? Those was those was ninth grade days, you know what I mean? Those was ninth grade and um, middle school and ninth grade days, you know? Those were the days where, you know, you give a girl a two be honest and if she was really feeling you, you know what I'm saying, she would like you and y'all would take you to the inbox and y'all would have a conversation there. It's the same thing with Tinder. If she likes your photo, or likes what you, you know, likes what you portray. You have to put your real self out there, your photo out there. 
and people will put what they really dig in. I, you know, hey, to each his own. If you want to know more about me, you got to talk to me. You know what I'm saying? This isn't, I'm not a, uh, it's like, a, it's like watching, I'm a trailer. I'm a preview. I'm not, a, I'm not the full movie. There's too many trailers out there that give you the full movie and you just like, I watched the movie in three minutes. I don't have to go spend 20 bucks on a movie ticket when I watch the full thing in three minutes. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? So the bio is just to breathe something about you. That's why it's bio. No one asks for an autobiography. It's just the bio. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, Tinder. And I feel like more people are starting to use Tinder because it's just whatever. It's like it's just like one of those things you need to have. Like, it's, it's just another social media. Like, you know, if you don't got Tinder, I think you're weird. And everybody's going to be like, well... Yada, 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 you can't, da, 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 this, that, the third. I'm like, no, nah, don't knock my pimping. There's two things you can't touch is me and my game. You can't touch my game. My game is official. It's certified. It's stamped. It's verified. Blue check. All that good stuff. It's verified. I'm verified. I'm like that. Anthony Davis, I'm like that. Know that. So my game's verified. I ain't got to worry about that. This is just for me to have fun and see, and just to see, you know, and I got the app. I just got the app. I got. I already got, you know, six of them things. I probably got more. I ain't checked in a long time. But the problem is it takes so long to find the match. You got to scroll through all of them to find the match, you know. And if you don't like one, that could have been your match. And you're just like, you never know, right, type stuff. But, um, yeah, I just think Tinder, it's a cool, it's a cool app, you know. And if you have the mentality of going in and just having fun, you'll have way more fun reading people's bios and laughing and looking at pictures and just having a good time, man. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. I'm here for the good time and the long time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to have fun. That's what I said. That boils down to having fun. You know what I mean? And um, I think we can all just have fun and we can all just chill and do what we got to do. But um, yeah, man. So Tinder's cool. The one app that's going out of style, and it's sad to say it's only been here for a few a few years, is Snapchat. It's been around for about six, longer than that, about, yeah, about six years, about six, seven years. It, it just got repetitive, and there's nothing to do on the app. Like, Tinder can be Snapchat. Tinder should be Snapchat. Snapchat and Tinder should just merge, honestly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... You know, it's like, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, mm. <laughs> mm. you never know. Because Snapchat is just like, Snapchat's boring now. It's rare that I post. And what I do post is about a new episode or it's about something that I found, I found funny or whatever, an idea I wanted to share that wasn't too, that you didn't have to really think too deep into. Things like that. I like Instagram because I like looking at pictures and they have an explore page. So that's cool to look at. Uh, Twitter is just no filter. So I go to Twitter for the no filter. And if I want to hear, I guess Twitter is just what Facebook should be. But obviously Facebook got more of a death, a death grip on the app. And they're probably going to wind up selling the app and break the app up. But yeah, Snapchat is just not as fun as it used to be. Because everybody got the stories. As soon as they were like, we're going to take the stories from Snapchat. What does Snapchat have? Like there's no exclusivity about Snapchat anymore. The messages can delete in 24 hours. No one cares. I mean, um, the messages delete as soon as you uh, see them. Like, 
if you swipe on them, if you swipe over, you swipe uh, swipe right, you'll get the message. If you, but if you swipe left or you did something too quick, you you forgot what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? And they have new modes where it's like delete, delete after 24 hours and whoopty wompty, like things like that. Like so, like Tinder's better than Snapchat, and I just got Tinder. Instead, that's just real. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, it's just a little odd. It's just it's really odd. That people really still use Snapchat. I only use it, like I said, to promote stuff. And I talk to my homeboy on there. But more times than not, we're FaceTiming each other. We're texting each other. We're having a good, you know, we're talking. We're playing. We're on the duty together. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's other ways to connect. Me and him connect in a different, we connect in a whole different way other than Snapchat. And the same thing with girls. Like, at this point in time, if I have your Snapchat, I should have your number. You'd be like, why? I'm like, well, because... I don't want Snapchat no more. If I still want to talk to you, I'll text you. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit up here and act like... I'm not going to be weird about it, creepy about it. People think it's still creepy to get other people's phone numbers and stuff. It's still not. I prefer to have that more than social media. Because what if like, what if I'm not on social media no more and you still want to talk to me, you still want to reach me, you have my number. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, we ain't got to talk about nothing crazy. If, that, if that's what you're worried about, intimacy and stuff like that, then you worry about the wrong stuff. I'm not worried about that. And I like how, you know, because I'm the guy, I swipe on, on a lot of girl stories that I think look good. I just do it. You know what I'm saying? And they be just thinking that I want to get with them and blah, 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 blah. I pretty, that's the, that's the, I wish they would be more mature. Like if a girl swiped up on my story, it's, I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you for thinking that I look good or that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? I agree, you know, or I agree with you or whatever the case may be. I don't think you're trying to get with me. I just think it's a compliment. And I appreciate you. I don't think every girl that has ever called me good looking wanted to get with me. There's some that have wanted to get with me. And there's some that haven't. But what my hope, my biggest thing is, we got to be just more mature. If I said, if I swipe up hard eyes, don't take it to heart. You got to do it. Don't take it to heart. That man's jealous. You know what I'm saying? He need to grow up. Because that's a compliment to you. Your selection of choice into your girl. If you got the baddest girl in the club or in school or whatever, it's okay for dudes to talk to her. You're the baddest one. That you should flex that. Use that to your advantage. Use that as confidence. That's a confidence booster. And I always say this: the first step to confidence, to gaining confidence, to obtaining confidence, whatever you want to call it, is to um, admit it, admit it, accept it, own it, own the fact that you got the baddest chick. That's how you obtain supreme confidence because nobody can touch you. Like Lil Nas X, can't nobody tell me nothing. I'm Kanye West. You saying something, you can't tell me nothing. Nothing. You got the baddest chick, nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Nothing, dude. You know what I'm saying? So first step to confidence is obviously owning it. If you own it, that's yours. Know that. You own it, that's yours. So can't tell me nothing. And I think that's how you that's and that's how it's supposed to be. But I feel like too many people are I'm not even gonna say scared or nothing like that, but they'll understand the rules about just that. About just understanding have and giving a mature response to that. Like if I think your girl's good looking, I think your girl's good looking. That doesn't mean I wanna get with her. I respect her enough to be like, Oh, you're good looking and I'll just leave it at that. Now if I like I said, my approach is different trying to get at you. I would ask you questions. I would try to pick your brain, like I said. And that's my and that's a little bit of my game. Certified. 
I'm calling you. You think calling your girl cute or shorty or baddie or baby girl is is game? You think that still works? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. What are we doing? Be worried. You should be more worried if I didn't call her that. If I didn't call her baby girl, or if I didn't call her shorty or cutie or whatever else corny dudes get off nowadays. Be worried if I don't call her that. Because if I if I do call her that, just know it's just playful and I'm not trying to get at her. But if I don't, if I'm picking her brain about her hobbies, what she's interested in, and how she's feeling today, and yada, 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 be worried. Because I'm coming. I'm coming for spots. I'm the cream of the crop, the Don Mega. I'm coming. Know that. Oh, I know I said top two. But I'm not two. You know what I'm saying? I know I say I'm top two, but I'm not two. So know that. I'm coming for your spot if I don't say any of those those corny things. I still say, I still say the corny things, baby girl, boo, whatever. Babe, whatever. 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 Maybe, maybe not babe. Babe's more on the relationship side. But baby girl... Boo? Bay? Uh, um, what else? What else is corny? Shorty? 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 Um, you fine, ma? Little mama? Mama? Um, mommy? Come on, bro. I, my bag. That is my bag, but that is not the bag I get into when I want to try to really get at you. Get at your girl. That's not the bag. Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Oh, that's the bag. And then I get even deeper in the bag. You know what I mean? I get deeper in the bag and you should be worried. That's all I'm going to say. Be worried. Because I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, you know, and I'm coming. You know? So know that. And, and like I said, I'm not a threat. I am not a threat. If you think I'm a threat, then you're insecure about yourself. In your relationship. And you don't trust your girl. Your girl trusts me, but you don't trust me. That's crazy. But, like I said, I'm not a threat. I know I say I'm top two, but guess what? <laughs> I'm not two. But, <clears throat> you guys have been awesome. You are awesome. To those out there listening, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. If you've made it this far, let's go ahead and give ourselves a round of applause. But that's all I got for y'all today. Until next time, it is your boy, Diaz York, Slim, the Prince of the Six, the Cream of the Crop, the Don Mega. The Don Mega. And this has been another rendition, episode, whatever you want to take it for of sophisticated ignorance i'll see you guys later you guys stay safe you guys be blessed um mask up social distance wash your hands wash your booty lotion up pick your hair out put some conditioner in your hair take care of yourself take your vitamins and i'll see y'all or not yet i'll see you guys soon and i'll talk to y'all later talk to you guys later talk to whomever's listening later I'm out, y'all. Peace.